Hi, friends. Welcome to the Rock Your Joy podcast. I'm your host, Anya Rock, a woman, artist, entrepreneur, mom, and high-performance coach. I'm working on becoming the best version of myself and inspiring others to do the same. This is my invitation to you to be part of the collective shifting of consciousness. Let's choose love. Let's choose joy. And let's rock your joy one day at a time. Hi, friends. Welcome back. Today, we're going to dive into something called human design, which is growing in popularity. I did not know what it was until I was sitting in a car with three or four other women, everyone talking about what was their human design. And I immediately went online, plugged in my information, got a reading, and then had no idea how to interpret it. And so I was referred to my guest today, Kelly Mahalik, who is an embodied leadership facilitator and human design coach. She did a reading for me. I learned so much and it was fascinating. And I asked her to come on and be a guest. She helps female identifying entrepreneurs and executives step into their power fully by embracing who they were created to be and unbecoming everything that was never really them to begin with. Kelly is the creator of Redefined, a decolonized and trauma-informed human design mentorship and training. She's a single mom with three daughters, and she is proving that anything is possible when you learn to trust yourself. I will warn you, if you have little ones in the car or are in a setting where you might not want them to hear, pop on your headphones. There are a few explicits. We get very excited. And so this is your warning. Just pop those headphones on or come back and listen later. We had an incredible conversation about human design, finding your calling and your purpose, and learning to love and trust yourself deeply and fully in this lifetime. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Hello. Thank you for having me. So Kelly, tell us a little bit about your journey. You are a human design expert but I love the way that you weave human design into business and really empowering women entrepreneurs. So tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. What's your mission? Yeah, it's so funny because when you say the word like human design expert, I'm like, ah, because (laughs) for me, human design is a lifelong journey that like no one could ever possibly be an expert of. Mm. It's something that is just like, It's like saying you're like a spiritual expert or something. It's like, no, we're just all on this journey. And so I prefer to use words like guide or mentor because I do know markedly more than the average person. But for me, like that is kind of what like led me into it, right, was being on that spiritual journey and being on my entrepreneurial journey, which for me was inherently spiritual, right? Like for me – the fastest way to bring up all of your crap and figure out who you are is to decide to start a business. Mm -hmm. Because you will be confronted with all of your beliefs, all of your habits, you know, everything will just slap you right in the face. Mm -hmm. And so particularly if you are in any sort of spiritual business as well, then it's just even, you know, more compounded on that. And so It really was, you know, when I was – I had been a stay-at-home mom for like a decade. I had three little kids nursing babies and found myself divorced, uh, needing to provide for my family for the first time ever. I had barely ever even been able to provide for myself as a single person. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Let alone now it's me and like these three tiny humans that like I said were like little nursing still needed me. And I just I ran the numbers so many ways and I was like it doesn't even make sense for me to go get a job. Mm-hmm. Like I will be in the hole. <laughs> I will have to work multiple jobs and then like still be on welfare to make this work. And so I was like, there has to be a better way. And so like as a woman who has been someone who has considered myself a woman of faith my whole life, even though that's kind of shifted and looked a lot of different ways, I was just like, okay, like God, angels, universe, whatever is out there, like you got to show me something different. You got to give me a better way. And that's when I was introduced to coaching. And while my business has taken a million different niches and brands and rebrands and it's like died a million deaths over the course of its, you know, history since inception, really my core message has always been the same, that like we are innately good and that we were created for more than just to give our life force away to hustling and grinding to make somebody else's fortune so that we can like earn our keep on the earth. Mm-hmm. until we die. <laughs> right? And like that's what I was taught. That was my household, that was my religious upbringing was that like we have to work so hard just to even survive and that like suffering is an inevitable part of life. And you know, no matter what shape my business has taken, it's always been like, but but is it really? <laughs> It doesn't really have to be like that. And human design for me was one of those huge pieces that when I found it, it clicked in because it's the science of individuation. So everybody is different. So the way that your individual mission and purpose here on this earth and your path to achieving prosperity and peace and joy and pleasure and like all of your ultimate goodness that you were created for is so inherently different than mine. Because we're different people. And so while we may all have common themes and goals and things like that and things that bring us together and help us to relate, we're unique individuals here to live unique lives. And human design helps bring us back to what does that look like? Once we take away all of our conditioning, all of our culture, all of our faith and religious beliefs, all of our familial beliefs, once we take all of that away, Who are we really here to be and what is our unique path in? So it's not like a 10 easy steps for everybody to follow, which if you've ever taken somebody else's 10 easy steps, you know that they probably (laughs) weren't so easy and they didn't get you the like banging results that other people were getting. And you're like, why? I'm doing all of the things. And that's just really because like it wasn't your steps. And we all have our own version of the 10 easy steps and human design helps us to find that. So with that in mind, for someone who has no idea what human design is, because I didn't, I remember kind of thinking like, what is this thing we're talking about, human design, and what is a manifesting generator, and what are these things? And so give us a little bit of, um, I almost feel like it should be called soul design, but like give us a context of what is human design and how does it relate in terms of if someone's sort of thinking about the lay of the land in terms of models we might use to come to this place that you're talking about. Yeah. So human design is essentially a system that allows us to have what is kind of like a blueprint for your soul, right? 
So it's like if your energy, if your specific soul mission, if, if you're someone who believes in like soul contracts, right? If we could take that and put it out on paper so that you could see who you're here to be, how you're here to operate, right? It's like the owner's manual, right? You get a vehicle, right? And like our bodies, like our energy, like we are the vehicles for our souls to come in and do this work. When you buy a vehicle, you have to know what kind of gas to put in it, what kind of oil to put in it, how to maintain that vehicle for optimal performance and longevity of the vehicle so that you don't have breakdowns and need major repairs and things like that. And human design is like our operating manual that tells us what kind of gas do we need? What kind of oil do we need? How, how do we need to change these things? How does our energy work? How do we interact with other people? How do we give our gifts away? What are our gifts? Where are our more empathic or psychic abilities? And how do we use those in a way that is of benefit to us and those around us and not something that cripples us, right? Which is something that a lot of people struggle with. How do we make decisions that are correct for us? And how do we know what decisions are aligned for us? And how are we, where we're making decisions out of conditioning or trauma and where we're making decisions out of actual alignment and how to know the difference? Mm. And where would you say it falls in terms of you find your human design by kind of taking your birth date and your place of date, which is similar to having your charts read, but how do they differ for someone who's kind of coming again from this in a totally brand new, like never heard of human design? How is it different? Yes. So human design is kind of like a super tool in that it actually uses pieces of Western astrology, right? Which is why some of it looks familiar to people who are who are into astrology and familiar with it. Um, and you do use like the birth date, time, location to run the chart similarly to astrology. Um, it's a combination of Western astrology, the Chinese I Ching, uh, the Hindu Brahmin chakra centers, uh, Jewish Kabbalah and quantum physics. Whoa. And so we're taking all of these, right? So we're taking pieces from all of these like ancient esoteric and more modern scientific mm -hmm. tools and systems and bringing them all together in a way that really declares that no matter what time or space these systems come through, they're all intertwined. They all are pieces of puzzles of the way we understand ourselves as opposed to these like very separate and different distinct systems. When we did a session, one of the things that you really talked about was the interpretation of these systems was so important, right? The way that we like anything, the way that we read it, the way that we study. And I love that you said right off the bat, like, this is a study. This is not you know, you're not the expert with the gold star, but how do you feel like your life experience, who you are, informs the way that you interpret a human design chart that someone gets? Yeah. Just like you said, like everything, interpretation is so, so important. So for me, my experience coming into human design was like I had seen people talking about it, heard a little bit of buzz around it. And so I did like what any normal human does. And I went down like a Google and YouTube rabbit hole, <laughs> right? Trying to learn all of the things by myself, figure it out. And by the end of the night, I was in tears and I was convinced that my I was destined to 
suffer. It was like confirming all of the things that I thought I already knew from old, bad religious upbringing, right? Was that like I was here to suffer and that my life was going to be so hard. I was never going to have anything good until I was 50. And I was literally like, I'm like in my early 30s at this point. And I was like, I can't. I have had like a hell of a 30 some odd years. Like I can't do this. Like I can not only be halfway through. (laughs) It has to be. I have to be on an uptick somewhere because like, damn it. Like I don't know that I can survive. Like it made me feel so discouraged and so sad. And what I realized through continuing to work with different teachers and mentors was that there was a misunderstanding there in the way that the information had been communicated. Now, nothing that the people I had learned that from that made me feel so terrible had said anything that is technically wrong. It was just that the way that they delivered it was felt really disempowering to me. So when I stepped into human design from a professional standpoint, that was something that I like really committed myself to was that I want this to be the most empowering, permission-giving experience of someone's life when they sit across from me as I read their chart to them. I do not ever want anyone to feel like they are stuck or boxed in or like something is negative. And so for me, I say this to all of my clients in almost every free training I do and someone asks a question, I always have to repeat If you feel boxed in by human design, if you feel limited, if you feel discouraged, there's a misunderstanding of information. And so like we just have to go back and refine the nuance of that so that that way we can get you feeling good about it. Because if you're feeling icky about your human design, there's just a misunderstanding, a miscommunication somewhere. Um, So making sure that I use an empowering lens that helps you feel expanded and feel like you have more permission in your life as opposed to feeling like you're getting boxed in by the limits of your chart. Uh, Because human design is a tool I use. It is not a religion I worship. Mm -hmm. Mm. Right? And so for me, it's something that we can use to help us feel more expanded, to help us feel more empowered. Um, But ultimately, like, we are more than our charts. Mm -hmm. We are also a com- because our charts can't tell us our lived experiences. Mm-hmm. Our charts can tell us who we were created to be, how we function, how we interact with others, with ourselves, with our gifts. It can tell us all of that stuff, but it can't tell us what we've lived through and what we've seen and what we've experienced. And so by also bringing forth a trauma-informed lens into human design is super important to me. That was something I found was incredibly lacking the further and further I got into the the niche and into the community was that there was so much just blatant ignorance of what people had been through and saying like, oh, well, like because you're this type or because you have this piece in your chart, you should do this, even if that things felt unsafe to people, um, if people had life experiences that said like, no, that's not going to be okay for me, at least at this point. So bringing a trauma-informed lens as well as always to my work, I try and bring a decolonized lens as well. Like I said, we have got so many different cultures that human design pulls from. And so it's really important for me to recognize and honor those cultures and those people from which I am able to learn and grow from and also professionally profit from. So by protecting and honoring those cultures and those people past, present, and future is such an important part of my work as well. Mm -hmm. And I think what you said about 
you know, it being a tool like anything, we we still, whether it's the Western astrology piece or this tool, this lens, I love the emphasis on the empowerment of, you know, for example, like when you read mine and we did our time together and you said, you really, you know, said you, so I, Anya, love to feel like there's an and for my business, like that I would not want to be defined by one piece. It's like, I want to do a podcast and coaching. I want to be a writer and, you know, a coach, or I want to live here and here. And that was, you know, a ping. I recognize the ping of like familiarity, like, oh, yep, I can relate to that. And yet there's still so much space for us to create within that, right? Because each of us still has this ability to take this interpretation and then put it through our own lens and then decide what to do with that. Yeah. So I brought up business. You really do work with, you know, this in terms of business Mm -hmm. and talk a little bit about, so how, for example, would a female entrepreneur take this kind of lens in helping her either launching something or making decisions in her business? Like how does it help to bridge that and, and give us more information? Yeah. So I use it specifically in terms of business because most of my clients typically tend to have businesses. But really all the same principles as you begin to learn and be in the experiment of human design, that's what we kind of call it, is like it's living in the experiment. So it's taking the information in your chart and trying it on and seeing how it feels, right? But again, trusting yourself and your own lived experience over what anything on a piece of paper or computer screen says, right? And always coming with a a sense of curiosity, right? If you're trying something and it doesn't feel good, right? We don't just say, well, this is doesn't feel good, so it must be out of alignment, right? Maybe it doesn't feel good because it's out of alignment. Maybe it doesn't feel good because it's new or it's different or it's challenging your thoughts or your perceptions or your beliefs or it's bringing things up for you and it's uncomfortable because it's different, right? And so being willing to be in the experiment and bring that sense of curiosity to everything you're doing of like, why do, this is feeling really sticky for me, right? Each type, there's five main types, right? The manifestors, projectors, generators, manifesting generators, and reflectors. And each one of those types has their own, we call it a not-self theme and an energy signature, which for me is kind of like a sliding scale of our where we exist in terms of alignment in our lives. And we can use this kind of like a game of hot or colder, right? Do you remember that game when you were mm-hmm. a kid and you would like close your eyes and you're like <laughs> trying to find something and they'd be like hotter, 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 meant you were getting closer and colder, colder, cold, meant you were getting further and further away. So our not-self theme is like the colder. It's who we are when we're getting further away from alignment, when something's not working for us. And the energy signature is what we feel when we are in alignment, when things are working for us, when we're making decisions correctly, when we're interacting correctly, when we're giving our energy away correctly, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we use this and – Once you start to learn to instill that, like you can't only just apply that to business. It really permeates your entire life. You're like either in design or you're not in design, right? You can't be like in design like a little bit. Like once you really start to apply these principles, they're not solely business. And so that's why I love it so much is because you think you're working on your business and you end up seeing your relationships transform and your body transform and all of these other things. It really is so holistic. It can't help but permeate 
everywhere. But in terms of business specifically, you know, there's different ways that we can use human design based on where you are. The way that I work and use human design with people who are starting out in business, typically like under, if you're typically in like four or five figures of earnings still, if you're a solopreneur, if you don't have any team or anything like that, we're going to work with your chart a little bit differently than if you are in six, multi-six, seven figures and you are working with multiple different people on your teams, right? Like I have four people on my team that I work with. Um, And so having to figure out what is the energy of my business and is service to the business and what's in service to me is a very different conversation than what was in service to the business and to me when it was just me and I was my business, right? Because in order to be in service to my business, it had to be in service to me and my energy. It had to be in alignment We're now with a team, I get to be like, oh, no, we really want to do this, but also I don't want to do this, so I'm going to delegate that out to somebody (laughs) else to make sure it gets done, right? So there's definitely an element to scaling and to learning how to work with other people's energies and how to work with the energetic entity that is your business, right? Mm -hmm. But whether it is, you know, at the beginning for most people, it looks a lot like how to create your schedule, How to block your day. How many days a week are you working? How many clients are you taking every day? How many hours are you working, right? What does that feel like? What do your packages look like? What are your, what does your pricing look like? And how can we get all of that to step into alignment? And how can we get you in a place where you're giving your gifts in a way that is in alignment for your specific energy type? while also helping you to learn how to make really good decisions. Because in order for us to give really good yeses in life, to bring in the things that are for us, we have to first learn how to give really good no's mm. to make space <laughs> that again, and clear. louder for the back. <laughs> <laughs> right. And this freaks the fuck out of people because – Before the yeses come in, you have to offload all the bad yeses, right, and all of the things that aren't in alignment. You have to start saying no, which can leave you in this, like, weird, purgatorial, empty space of, like, but if I fire this client, if I don't ask her to renew her contract, if I leave the relationship, if I make this decision to get rid of something that is no longer of service to me, what... Like, what do I have in its place? It's like the land in between. And so that's why most of us stay stuck in these patterns, right? And so once we can work with your individual chart and your energy and your authority, that's what we call your decision-making kind of compass. Everyone has a, a specific energy center in which they use to make their decisions. And so once you learn how to do that and you start giving yourself permission to like let go of things then we make that space. And things do typically come rushing in quite quickly. (laughs) But you have to find that resolve within yourself, right? And so we can use all of the different parts of the chart to identify where you are maybe stuck in patterns. We call them open center patterns, right? Um, Because in your human design chart, you've got nine centers that you're working with, um, energy centers, similar to the chakras is where it it is rooted in. And some of them are defined or colored in. If you run a chart, you'll see some are colored um, and some are white. And the white are the open center patterns. And these are places where we 
experience a variety of different energetic ebbs and flows based on our environments. Uh, because these are the places where we're empathic, where we're able to absorb what's happening in around us. And we're like the barometers for that energetic area of life for the people around us and for our environments. And so sometimes instead of being the barometer and measuring the energetic health of our environments, we end up taking on, you know, beliefs and habits and things like that from our environments that then keep us stuck. And so we can often then pinpoint which center that's coming from, which makes it so much easier to clear once you can identify, right, and then use the gifts of human design to help you shift out of that. Hey friends, just popping in here for a moment to let you know about my free masterclass coming up next week. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Anya underscore rock your joy, or go to my website, www.anyarock.com forward slash masterclass to learn all the details. I'm going to be offering a one hour intro into the kind of work we do, leaning into this purpose and power and pleasure alongside all that we want to accomplish, having a clear vision of who you want to be in five years and how to start mapping the road and creating the energy and the vitality and the purpose in creating her starting today. So sign up, go to my website, join us, and can't wait to see you there. Where do you think people get stuck in this the most? Where do you see people kind of in getting in human design? Yeah, or in this kind of in this experiment like you called of exploring this because that that alone what you just described like saying no in mm-hmm. order to say yes like this land in between that's particularly for women and I think as you mentioned right at the beginning like this vulnerable space of entrepreneurial landscape where we are our business and so much of your brand is you, like that's all really delicate and really, you know, that there's a lot of work in there, right there. That could be, <laughs> yes. do you, is that kind of where you see most people finding those sticking places is in this first sense of like trusting the no, trusting like, or trusting the letting go of something in order to make space for something else? Yeah, I think the biggest kind of like overarching and I could probably like bullet point this out a little bit but like the main thing is lack of self-trust we don't trust ourselves that we know what is right for us we are disembodied and we're not connected 97% of people within human design have a body-based authority Okay, meaning it's somewhere in it's their body. Somewhere, it's not- right. There's literally no such thing as a head or like mind or brain authority. If you are in the 3% that is not body-based, it's you have external authority outside of you. Like the moon is your authority. <laughs> <laughs> right? But there's no such thing as like a head or ajna or brain authority because our brains, our minds were not made for making decisions. They were made for processing information. And we have been taught in this like very Newtonian world that we live in that like A plus B equals C 
and like follow that path. Follow the path of like, you know, one, two, three, four, go in order, stay on the line, and do what is logical and reasonable and responsible and what makes sense. But then we have all of these women And I find this to be particularly in the type of women who end up becoming entrepreneurs that have this fire in their bellies, right, who are lit up and who want anything but a logical, reasonable, (laughs) responsible life. Like, how fucking dry and boring is that? And so we have these wild and crazy visions and dreams for what we desire, the travel, the epic love and the relationships and the money to do really good things with and to help people and to impact, right? To impact people and change lives. And we think we're going to create this quantum experience for our lives being logical and reasonable and responsible. And it just is not going to be how we get there, which is what keeps people so stuck is because they're trying to like follow old business, old paradigm, bro culture, and they're thinking it's going to quantum leap them. And it's just, if you want to quantum leap, if you want illogical results, you have to be willing to do illogical things. And your brain, your ego, your mind is never going to let you do illogical things because it's not going to make sense on paper. It made zero sense on paper when I got divorced with three little tiny babies for me to refuse to get a job. Right. (laughs) And everyone I know thought I was crazy. I cannot even tell you how many lectures I got from friends and family and like, what are you doing? And I was like, no, like, absolutely not. I will not go get a job. I'm just going to go and I'm going to say things on the internet and then people are going to pay me. (laughs) And they were like, what? And it took a while, right? It took a while and I had to hustle and grind and I cleaned Airbnbs and I babysat my friend's kids while they worked so that I could be on my laptop while all the kids played together. I did promotional modeling for liquor companies for a long time. I did what I had to do on my nights and my weekends when I didn't have my kids to help pay the bills. Um, For a while, I even moved back into my childhood bedroom to continue, right? But I refused to do what what the world wanted me to do, what everybody wanted me to do, because I knew that my success was inevitable and I trusted that within myself so deeply, you know, which then there was just a moment where it all clicked and and like all of a sudden like one day it didn't seem like it was working and then like the next day it was working and, you know, I can't even believe the incredible growth that has happened in my life and in my business. Um And that's the beauty of human design is that when you learn to start trusting yourself and you learn how to manage your energy so that things can feel good, right? It's Mm -hmm. not just about hitting the goals, hitting the metrics, getting so many followers so you can swipe up, getting so many enrollments or clients so that you can like say you have a six-figure, seven-figure brand or like whatever the things. Because like none of that shit matters if you're not actually happy, if you don't have peace, if you're not – 
living a life that's full of pleasure and passion and purpose. If you're not obsessed with waking up every day, then who cares how much fucking money you made? The money is the easy part, actually. It's like being able to make the money while being able to be a single mom, right? I work 15 hours a week in a multi-six-figure business, right? And I get to spend my time with my kids still, exactly kind of like how I thought I was going to when I was married and I thought I was just going to stay home and raise them. Like, I was able to create that shift for myself because I was willing to trust myself. And that's like the main thing. And then that plays out in a whole bunch of different ways based on you, your lived experience, your conditioning, your chart, all of these things. But really it comes down to we've been taught to not trust ourselves and to look everywhere else but in for what we're supposed to do, right? What do we do? You have a conundrum. Yeah. Right? You feel uncertain about something, which like also we need to rewrite the fact that like uncertainty is normal mm-hmm. and is never going away. So we mm-hmm. need to learn to start just doing things even when we're uncertain, right? Mm-hmm. But when we have uncertainty, when we're in a position and we don't know which way to go, what do we all do? We look to others. We ask everybody else. Yeah. We call our friends, <laughs> we call our family, we call our therapist, we call our coach. We go on I mean, yeah. Like, have you ever been in a Facebook moms group? Yeah. Yeah. We go to, we, right? we scroll, right. we go we to Instagram. Facebook groups, we're, yeah. we're Googling, we're WebMDing, <laughs> right? Like, we won't, even, we're always looking outside of ourselves, and human design teaches us how to look back in. That's beautiful. You have a new course, a new offering, which when you mentioned the word, word pleasure, because I think that's, just a huge theme right now in terms of all of this, trusting ourselves, right? Breaking out from this patriarchal paradigm where we get to, and for me, a theme of just finding my voice again, speaking my truth, you know, really trusting in what I have to say. And and so pleasure is in there. And tell me about sat. So it's satisfied is mm-hmm. the name of the program that you're doing. But How did it come to be? What's it about? And how does it tie in? Because I'm intrigued. Yeah. So human design is one of the like kind of like main staple tools that I use in my business. Um, Pleasure-based living in business is one of the others that I use. Um, I believe so, so firmly in using pleasure as a way to hack our growth and a way to, like I said, what does it matter if it doesn't feel good, right? And so we have to learn how to feel good. And it's always been so shocking to me in the fall, in Scorpio season, I have a program called Resurrection. Mm. And this is one of my favorite programs. It's absolutely freaking life-changing. It's the process I went through about a year ago that shifted everything for me. And this is where we throw funerals for ourselves. <laughs> okay, tell me about that. It's so much fun. I know it sounds like really weird and dark and morbid, but it is so amazing. So we basically like take time and set ceremony around killing off and honoring the parts of us that are no longer need to be with us, right? So like for me it was like the identity of being a survivor. Like I mentioned in the beginning, like when I was learning that I, you know, I wasn't going to have success, so they said, until I was 50 and I was like already tired in my early 30s. Like, like I've been through it. In human design, my uh, 
my one of my profile lines is the role model. So I've had to live a lot in order to have a lot of experience that I can like look at someone and hold their hands and say like I've been there. So I've like been through the ringer and seen so much more than most people will ever see in a lifetime and like I'm still I'm still in like my 30s, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still like probably not even halfway through my life and I've just really seen it all and so for me that identity of like survivor and overcomer that I wore as like a badge of honor for so long, I got to a point where I was like, but if I'm a survivor and an overcomer and that's what I identify as, don't I always need something to be surviving and overcoming? And is it time that I let go of that and I get to step into a new identity that like it gets to be easy now and that it doesn't have to – like the struggle doesn't have to be real, <laughs> right? And so um, so I threw a funeral for myself Originally was how it kind of started. Um, and in resurrection, that's what we do. So we don't just discard and try and like ritual away and like banish these old parts of us because these were identities, these were archetypes that we took on that served us, that helped us to survive. I needed that survivor, overcomer, like person inside of me to get through the things that I had to get through. And so she wasn't someone to be discarded or to be hated off because she was no longer serving me, but to really be honored and loved and witnessed and thanked. And so through the process of going through a funeral, right, we like eulogize. And I also, one of my other big tools is somatic embodiment. So like dance therapies and like movement and getting the body involved. And so, you know, we we essentially – identify who it is we're killing off within us. We eulogize them. We release them. And then we like dance and throw a party and we shift the energy around that. And in resurrection, a month later, we come back together for um, for the rebirth or like a baptismal type ceremony after we've like kind of sat Shiva a little bit for a few weeks and been in the grief process and really allowed because I think that's a mistake we make a lot right? Is that like, we're like, oh, I'm going to let go of this thing. And we like do our little ceremony or like our little ritual. And then we're like, okay, and I'm moving on. And we don't give ourselves the time and the space to really honor and grieve that it's hard to let go of this stuff sometimes. Like if you've been clinging on to a certain identity or belief or habit for decades, like you have to give yourself the space to grieve that properly. So we give that space. um, And it was so interesting because the feedback I got after the like baptismal or resurrection or rebirth ceremony was that everyone was so uncomfortable in it. Mm. They ate the funeral up. They loved it. They were like, give me a funeral. I am ready to die. <laughs> right? They were so here for like the dark and the twisty and the digging in the depths of the shadows and the dark night of the soul. When I tried to offer them joy, mm. they did not know what to do with it. And so it got me thinking, we don't know how to be happy. We don't know how to not have problems. I've seen this even in myself where like when everything's going really good in my life, I start creating really crazy shit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That like doesn't even exist. And my coach, thank God, she's so patient <laughs> with me. She's like, this is not even a real problem. Mm-hmm. You're making things up. So can <laughs> you just stop and just like let yourself be happy instead of trying to create fake problems? 
And while creating fake problems is a much better problem to have than some real problems, it is an indicator of why we're subconsciously actually creating real problems, right? If you think about it, we can't even really celebrate fully and presently because what's the number one way that most people celebrate? Alcohol. Mm-hmm. So we're even numbing and dulling our senses in our celebrations. In our celebrations in a way that like, you know, we've we've glamorized it with like the champs on ice and like all of the things and it's fine and there's nothing wrong with that. But are we even being really fully and present? Right. And a hundred percent in the feelings of joy, or are we always kind of like just bringing them down just a little bit, taking the edge off? And so as I dug into this and I had conversations with my clients and and I really looked at the way that particularly as women, we struggle to experience joy, I was like, now we got to do something about this. (laughs) We got to do something about this. So satisfied is actually specifically for generators and manifesting generators because satisfaction is their energy signature. Remember, Mm -hmm. that's their hotter. That's their sign of alignment, right? They're not self-theme is frustration. And generators and manifesting generators, the thing that they have in common is the defined sacral energy. And so it is very often taught in the world and particularly in human design spaces that like gens and many gens are like here to work and they're here to like hustle and they have all of this energy and they're supposed to be go, 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 go. And I was like, "Mm -mm. I'm a many gen. And actually like my chart is built to – that I synthesize things very fast. I move very quick. I'm very action oriented, mm-hmm. but I am a lazy bitch. <laughs> Hence why I work 15 hours a week. Right. <laughs> because I am a lazy bitch. But or in- reframed, you have learned to rest. <laughs> right. 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 Like without for for serious though, like I think it's funny, but also like that in itself is something we struggle with. Yeah. You have prioritized and celebrate rest. And that is in itself a whole chapter of work for right. so it's many revolutionary, of us. Yeah. Right? The idea – and so I think for a lot of generators and manifesting generators, the thing I noticed is that particularly in entrepreneurial spaces, if you ask them what they like to do for fun, they're like, work? <laughs> And while that's great and lovely and I want you to be jumping out of bed in the morning so excited to get to your day and get to your clients and to do the work you're here to do in the world and I hope that you were able to monetize one of your biggest passions and that's lovely, like it's also safe to play to play and Mm -hmm. to not have to work all of the time and in a culture that over-identifies us with our careers and our vocations and how we earn our money, right? What's the first thing we ask? Someone mm-hmm. when we meet them, like, oh, what, what do, do you do? do? Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm very Who I'm, are you? I'm single, us. so I'm dating. So I'm very familiar with like right out the gate, like, what do you do? Because that yeah. tells me so much about you. And so kind of like rewriting this idea that like we're not just here to work. When we do work, we can create work in ways that feel good to us, that don't have to be status quo, that don't have to mean giving away 40, 50, 60 hours of your week away to somebody else. You can reclaim your energy. You can have boundaries around, you know, how you show up in your work and in your business, and you should. And also that, like, your satisfaction is not just limited to your business 
you should be satisfied all of the time, right? And so again, it's not just about like, yeah, like I have plenty of programs and there's plenty of other coaches out there who have programs who can teach you how to make money in your business, how to get clients, how to scale, how to do all of the things. Like, and is that all important work? Like, absolutely yes. How many of them are going to teach you how to do it, though, in a way that feels so deliciously good to you every single day where you're not feeling tired, you're not feeling burnt out, you're not feeling frustrated, where you feel like you are living your life and not working your life away, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so satisfied is really – it's 12 weeks long. And it's a combination of all of the things. It's human design. It's pleasure-based living and business. It's somatic embodiment. We've got different workshops that we'll do together to help clear and shift energy. It's all of my favorite things that just help us to like get in our body, learn how to give those good no's and start offloading our plate and survive the purgatory of the land in between so we can let those good yeses come in so that we can – not just have the things we want, but we can actually feel good in having all of the things because nothing matters if you feel like shit and you're tired and exhausted and burnt out and frustrated and depressed and having anxiety. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we live in a world that celebrates the opposite, right? Where happiness, we, we we're sort of think that the more we have, the more we hustle, the more that's related to happiness. And it's well, right. What a badge of honor to. it is to be like, oh my God, I'm exa- I've been so busy. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'll wear that I'm exhausted today like a badge of honor because I stayed up watching Netflix till like 3 30 <laughs> in the morning because it was so delicious I couldn't turn it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not because like I was working or And it wasn't even like revenge uh, insomnia where I was like, oh, like I finally get time to myself. It was literally the show I was watching was just that good. I had been watching Netflix since like 7 p.m. Love it. (laughs) What were you watching? (laughs) Um, It's called Ginny and Georgia. Oh, fun. I'll have to watch it. It's brand new and it's amazing. Okay. I'll have to look it up. Then I'll be also up till three in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Watch it your own. Watch it your own peril. I have my own risk. (laughs) I love it. Delicious alone time. Um, So as a mom, single mom, business owner, I mean, we've touched on this a a little bit, but what is bringing you the most joy right now with all the the things you have going and being who you are and teaching this work to other women? How are you owning that joy for yourself? Mm, Such a good question. So I feel like I've gotten really good at like bringing little bits of celebration and joy into like every day, like having fresh flowers in my house. And I recently decided that I was going to be the kind of person that got weekly massages. Yes. Right? And that was like such a gift to myself. Um, My morning routines right now are just like giving me life, getting up and drinking coffee slow in bed and reading and journaling and meditating before I get into my day. I really try and keep it ever there's I have a huge, huge canvas of Audrey Hepburn in my bathroom that every time I see it, just like, I'm like, I love her so much. Um, so it's really about like 
for me, it's about having these little things, right? From like my environment and the things that are hanging on my walls to the bedspread and the sheets and the kind of coffee I drink. And it doesn't have – that's the thing. Like pleasure does not have to be – like it doesn't have to be all like bubble baths and massages and alone time and all of these things, right? Like I value all of those things. I love all of those things. But sometimes I think the most important parts are the way that we get really good at making feeling good like a part of everything we do, what we're eating, what we're wearing, how we're decorating our homes, right? And when you can do that kind of stuff, then all the things you have to do stop feeling so hard and get a little bit easier, mm-hmm. right? Because like I'm never going to probably feel really great about like laundry or cleaning my house unless I'm paying somebody else to do them is like the best way, you know, but which is fine, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nothing wrong with that. Yep. I'm totally here for being supported in and out of my business, right? But, you know, There's always going to be things we don't love doing in our lives that are not our favorite, most chosen activities. So when you get really good at bringing sparks of joy into like all of the little moments, then those things like, right, because then you can show up better because you're coming from a place of overflow. So I like to, you know, always challenge myself and my clients, like how can we bring – even if it's just like one or two or five percent more pleasure or more joy into this moment, like what would that be like? Maybe it's just like taking stop, stopping for a second and taking a deep breath, right? Maybe it's having flowers on your nightstand or you know in your office. Maybe you know it's changing the lighting. Maybe it's wearing something that feels cozier. Maybe it's. Showing up fresh-faced with no makeup on and, like, not caring. Maybe it's doing a full face, right? Because, like, you want to feel sassy today, right? Right. It's about just finding, like, those little ways that you can elevate the intention that you bring to anything that you're doing that can make life just feel so delicious and satisfying. Love it. Satisfied. I love permission to feel more joy. Yeah. That's That's the golden ticket right there beautiful. Yes. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. And I'll link all of your details in the show notes if anyone wants to connect with you about Satisfied or any of your other programs. You are, you know, a wonderful guide through all of this. And this has just been really enlightening and a beautiful conversation. So I'm really grateful. Thank you so much for having me. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. Feeling inspired and want to share the joy? Leave a review so others can find the podcast more easily. Want to hang out more with me? You can find me on the interwebs at www.anyarock.com. That's A-I-N-E-R-O-C-K. And I'm also on Instagram at Anya underscore rock your joy. Till next time, rock your joy. This episode was produced by Dante32.